4: Here we go. Okay, boys. All right, we are actively rolling. Yours truly, Super the Freak, <laughs> Super Dave, <laughs> Super Dave, Jedzilla, and the QBAB. Boys, how we doing? Dave, does, how are you? Does anybody else Good.
2: wish that Chaz would embrace the Freak nickname a little, little more willingly? <laughs>
4: you know it is a little
1: disappointing before we get going on you know we got to make sure that we give a quick shout out to one katie grad who i believe is is a new listener to the podcast welcome to the huddle
2: katie welcome Welcome aboard
4: welcome to the huddle katie
2: you know it's a little disturbing as these people all say hey new podcast that's awesome this is our third year people i mean we, we we appreciate it we welcome you but where have you been
1: bandwagon's gonna be full soon yeah
2: it's
4: it's it's just about malcolm gladwell's tipping point it's it's just we're just getting there you know we're we're growing we're working on it you know i I think um how do you guys feel about how our structure went last time did you feel good about that jed how did you feel about it were you okay kind of name the topics out
3: (laughs) i was i was gonna go dark i'm gonna go silent until i was called out (laughs) of the darkness by one, Matthew Chass Now, thank you for identifying that I'm here. I just I don't feel like I get enough attention on this thing. Oh my god! asked
4: oh, oh,
3: me separately and said specifically, "Why is there not more jet in no, my headphones?" No, she didn't. Didn't happen. And I said, "I get it. Totally no, I get it. No chance." Totally From structural perspective, I would I would equate it to a a triangle with uh, a. A fourth leg that like was connected but like wasn't really like attached until later. That's how I would say our structure went.
2: What? <laughs> Just let it go. That's really good, Jed. Don't, don't engage. Really yeah, good, don't engage.
4: don't engage. I literally—I was gonna like try and rip off like a Pythagorean theorem joke, and I got lost on the fourth leg of the triangle. I. I so okay. Here's where I got. Here's what I got out of that. We'll keep going with our structure, and uh, but Jed may have a surprise topic for us at the end, so we'll see. We'll see where that leads us. But our,
2: hey, we, we need to give a shout out to uh, Lynn Carmichael. yeah uh, always a great always. listener. Yep. a long time listener of the podcast. Last week we had said how much that Chaz enjoys Reese's peanut butter cups, and I see three. King-size Reese's Peanut Butter Cups on this desk. And that's because he brought four during the game, and one <laughs> of those is gone. I
1: might, right. have had, I might have dabbled in the Reese's did
2: Peanut some cups. Maybe, Maybe
1: did,
4: did some damage. Maybe did some damage. Late yeah. game <laughs> against <laughs> you're, When, you're, thing, you're when things taken.
3: were in hand. You're partaking during game time? Uh, Alex, mm-hmm. you're a professional. Well, no, no. you know, I think, when you're
1: up by 43, then you start to uh, <laughs> find things to do. <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey, three topics today we're going to start. Kind of with the Pac-12, state of the Pac-12. I want your opinions on that. National respect, five-ranked teams, etc. Topic number two, I would like to talk to A.B. and Jed. Uh, Dave, of course, I want your input as always, but those guys were pro athletes ah, more so very than Very little were.
3: input, Dave. Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to hear
4: about, about nutrition. How does it differ? How, how in tune with it were you? How in tune with it are you? How different is it from your playing days to now – to your podcasting days, do you have different nutrition? And then uh, the third topic, which is always kind of a wild card topic, we're going to very naturally get into the inverse pricing process of water, which is mind-boggling to me, and my wife got on my case last night for bread and butter pickles. I've never heard
2: of them I, I just, I can't wait. Bread and putter, butter pickles are disgusting. They're gross. We can get yeah. on with the rest of the They're show. They're
4: awful. They are gross. She thought yeah. she didn't we get well them on. We might as just skip to a- Third, we uh, could topic right away. She didn't oh, get them like, on purpose It was a mistake And like she ate it and was like Oh I got bread and butter pickle I was like What's a bread and butter pickle Well
2: you know You expect so much Of the pickle Pickles are delicious They are delicious And then you get a bread and butter I mean it's gross it's so, Okay good. so Oh we,
1: wait I thought we were On the same page That pickles in general Were not No, no Because no. I'm, I'm on that side Of the argument. Oh you're No <laughs> oh,
2: pickles are great
4: I love them. Oh gross I'm gonna hang up now <laughs> Pickles are like a, a, a bland jalapeno
3: Right
4: What's a jalapeno Oh jalapeno! Uh, Walked right into that one. All right, so so guys, you know, for years now we've heard about, and we kind of talked last. We touched on this a little bit last podcast. Cougs getting disrespected for qualities that have nothing to do with football. It seems like the national folks or maybe some Pac-12 folks are hung up on like overall athletic department revenue relative to how many sports you have. Looking at Cal and Stanford kind of leading the world in Olympic sports and and, and whatnot. And obviously the Cougs are thus underrated uh, annually. I think we're all on the same page there. But the the, the league this year does have five ranked teams. It's almost half the league. Ranked and that is a lot of respect, but none of them are in the top ten. And so my question is: Is in Dave, in your observations? of the league handful of ranked teams pretty darn good however maybe not that elite team or not that respect for utah or washington or you know uh, the Cougs or et etc so is the league up is that accurate should there be five should be six should there be four what do you think what's the perception like of the pack right now relative to reality
2: well i think it's a quality league i mean there's like you said five ranked teams but there's also some some uh pretty good parts that aren't ranked right now you look at cal they have an incredible defense um you know colorado can score points there's there's teams out there that can beat you every single week um is there an elite team yeah we'll see i mean i guess as, as the season plays out um but there are sure as heck are a lot of good teams i know that and and uh, you know you want to talk about uh, every conference has, has a team that struggles or teams that struggle that's just the way it is you look at the sec oh my goodness they lost three games they shouldn't have this week you know um I think our conference competes with anybody uh, from top to bottom. Jed what do you say, buddy? What do you think?
3: You know, I I, I agree to some degree and then disagree to a large degree. Um, so what I what I would say is it's it's no different than in any kind of sales or advertising deal. You have to promote brands. Historically, the LA teams, the Oregon Ducks, they have been the Pac-12's national brand. And as you look at the NFL, the superstar is always the one that kind of sells it to the fan base beyond your true follower. So, yeah, I, I, I understand why from a, a national stage people discredit the Pac-12 because we haven't had that elite team to go into the, the top five and say, we're going to be here for the next five years, bring it on. Um, I also am super disappointed the first time the Koog Nation rallies behind the Oregon Ducks that they drop and lay, lay an egg of uh, seismic proportion. But that game in and of itself speaks to why the nation continues to discredit us is because they look at the fact 12 and they're like, you guys can't even beat the fourth best SEC team. Um, so I, I, I do agree that like we need to get more respect, but until there is a powerhouse that on a national stage is inarguable in the top elite crew, we're not going to be able to get that the, the five in the 10 to 20 category is going to continue to eliminate one of, of themselves. Here's
4: where I really struggle. And AB, I'm going to hand it off to you here after I, I think you and I both agree on this point. And I don't,
3: AB doesn't take handoffs. He gives them.
4: <laughs> <So>
0: that's true.
4: <laughs> so Jed's right in that leagues lately have been judged by the quality of their front runner. However, isn't it a self-fulfilling prophecy that there's more likely to be a front runner if the bottom of your league is weaker because they play an easier co- conference schedule It becomes this cyclical deal where do you judge a league based on one team being great or do you judge a league based on there being more good parts to a league, Alex? Or, especially yeah,
2: take the SEC, for example. Four non-conference games. I mean, they can schedule four wins, and a lot of, a lot of schools do. Um, so to start out 4-0 oh with your non-conference and then you're beating up on some of the lower teams in their conference, I mean... It's just an easier deal. I mean, Alex, what do you think?
4: Yeah, I,
1: agree. I mean, I 100% agree with Dave's point about the SEC playing four non-conference games and generally not scheduling very uh, very hard in that, um, in those four games. And, and then I think kind of what happens is... You know, there is, just like any conference, you're going to have, you know, bottom four or five teams or three or four teams, right, that um, just aren't competing as well. And it all goes in cycles. It always does. And, um, you know, if like in the Pac-12, you look at it, especially with the addition of Utah and Colorado, which have been a great addition to the Pac-12 and strengthened the league, Utah has been consistently in the top 25 consistently as, you know, competing. Um, for Pac-12, you know, to be in the conversation for the Pac-12 championship, whether they get there or not. Colorado, you know, a couple years ago had a great year, and I think Dave's right. They can score points. They're they're a challenge anytime you play them on the road. With the rise of, like, Arizona State, I think is a great example with Herm Edwards. I mean, they're consistently getting better, clearly, and so I do think the Pac-12 is stronger than people give it credit for. I think, you know, the reality you run into with, say, the SEC or the ACC, you know, with Clemson and You know, when we're talking about the college football playoff, you're talking about four teams are getting it. The reality is two of those teams are probably going to be undefeated. And if you're talking about one loss teams, well, now those one loss teams do have to come from, you know, a a situation where, you know, that one loss is probably from somebody that's above them or right around where they're at. And I think that's the issue with sometimes with the Pac-12 in the top 25 rankings is the top. Two teams, let's call it top two or three teams in the Pac-12, aren't able to get into the top fifteen, top ten of the top twenty-five early enough in the season to then make an impact when those two teams say play each other and one of them loses. Because if you look at you know Georgia and Alabama, the conversation you always have every year in the SEC is like, well, if Georgia loses to Alabama, they should still get in because they're a one-loss team. They lost Alabama. Well, if Washington and, you know, Utah were both in the top 12 and that happened to them, then in theory, you know, one of those teams should be in that same conversation. So I think, you know, the problem is that, you know, with the rankings, the Pac-12 doesn't get the respect to get up high enough early enough in the year to then be able to slide a one-loss team in if somebody has a one-loss team, because the conversation always becomes, well, does a one-loss Pac-12 team deserve to be in the playoffs? And the answer is absolutely yes. And so I just think that's a, you know, it's a, that's the perception problem that you land.
4: We kind of come back full circle to the the, I think the four of us have all kind of agreed, like rankings shouldn't exist for the first month.
3: (laughs) Yeah, don't put words in
4: my mouth. Well, I I mean, if if, let's go even let's take it week two here. Right. Cougs are uh, 22nd in the country. Okay, nobody even knew Anthony Gordon's name east of the Mississippi
3: and now he's up for the Heisman? Did you see that headline? What?
4: <laughs> <laughs> well done, boys. Uh, well well done.
3: Um, all right. Topic- oh, wait. To- hold on. You're honestly going to stand there and say the Pac-12 is not being respected enough because we don't have a team in the top ten. But also, who would you say of the top ten perennial teams doesn't deserve the respect they've been getting?
4: So, what are you asking? Who of the top ten teams? Out who are of it?
1: the current top ten teams don't deserve it? Florida, yeah, Gators. Yeah, <laughs> Flor- Florida is a hundred. I was you stole the words out of my mouth. But also, outside of. Clemson Ohio State and Alabama how can you look at anybody in the next you know in the next grouping and say they they deserve they guarantee deserve to be in the top you know the top 10 I don't know I don't know if you can say that
4: in there also what's the stat like Alabama's been to the natty four straight years five straight years and like two of those times they didn't win their league isn't that right and there's and there's something like that they've like they've had you, they won the the SEC title game but they lost prior or something like that I mean it just kind of It it, it speaks to the SEC inflate. But right now, to answer your question, uh, Jed, Florida, I think, is the team that that definitely jumps out. Um, Texas A&M is 12th in the country. What's A&M done lately other than?
2: They beat Clay McGuire's Texas State. They did. They
4: did. Shout out to Mm. Clay. Shout out to Clay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Texas is 9 I haven't watched them this year, but you and I, Dave, are in agreement. Texas Texas has a
2: big game. Texas-LSU. LSU. LSU. Yeah.
4: Yep, Texas. That'll sell a lot. Well, here's the other thing. This is, this is the other frustrating part. LSU, and this is Brink's point, LSU's sixth in the country. Texas is ninth in the country. Texas beats LSU, they'll drop LSU to like 11. They won't drop them far because they lost to the ninth-ranked team. And,
1: and, and my conversation about the see, LSU is a great one. They replace a quarterback, or they bring a quarterback, right, transfer in. So everybody's comments about Washington and Washington State specifically are, well, they don't have, you know, they're bringing back quarterbacks, so they lost X Y Z on defense or whatever. That happens every year to every team. So how can you say other than again a handful? How can you say you knew LSU was going to be,
3: you know, was going to be a top eight team? You know, when they got a new quarterback too. What what is Oregon today?
4: Uh, sixteen. Sixteen.
3: So they dropped three spots. Five.
4: Yeah, they, they were. 11. Yeah, they were eleven. I think that's right. Well, it's yeah. like I mean,
2: last year when Texas beat Georgia in the bowl game. If Texas was ten and four. They jumped us. Yeah, it's we were crazy. eleven and two. It's yeah, <laughs> that's crazy.
4: That's but I, mean, that. I mean Florida got in and shouldn't have, and it should have been the Kooks in that in that in the New Year's six. That was, that's and I still stand by that. The Alamo Bowl was lovely. The Alamo bowl was awesome, and that the Alamo Bowl actually. This is a tangent. This was not one of our topics, but. The Alamo Bowl lit a fire, rekindled my personal flame for bowl games. Not that I was like the Holiday Bowl has been great. The Sun Bowl was awesome because a lot of El Paso folks go there. And, but the Alamo Bowl had 60,000 maniacs. In that bowl, that atmosphere was awesome, and it was a great game. Maybe that's part of it too. The Holiday Bowl has been tough a couple times, but the Alamo Bowl—it was not a New Year's Six, it was not an FBS playoff game. The Alamo Bowl was awesome, and if if that's what bowl games are, then bowl games are awesome. And this notion that they don't matter enough and whatever shouldn't be played or something—you know—there's there's there's some niche of a narrative that says that or rhetoric is wrong um, because the Alamo Bowl is great. Uh, okay. Second topic is, uh, for, uh, Jed, let's start with you.
2: Jed, are you, are you building a birdhouse or something by the way?
3: <laughs> uh, there are a few, uh, a few doves flying around. <laughs>
2: What's all the doug- banging and clanging?
3: jayhawk oh that's my girls banging on the door they want they want to come outside and i said absolutely not not during the
2: cast i'm sitting
3: by myself in the the backyard you are not allowed back here on the
2: astroturf the field turf do
3: you guys want to say hi say hi really loud
2: oh that's nice hey there there. sounds
4: like
1: a cougar growl
4: (laughs) It's awesome that's awesome uh Jed, in your, in your uh, post-playing days, including fatherhood and, and no longer playing football, how much was nutrition, a- athletic nutrition, a part of you being a fullback in the NFL? Like the very famous stories of Rod Smith, the Denver Bronco wide receiver, being basically just loading up on candy all day. Was Or were you locked in like Tom Brady, who has these very drastic theories on inflammation and anti-inflammatory and vegan diet, all this stuff? What what was nutrition like for you?
3: Let's not kid ourselves. Tom is obviously right. But (laughs) nobody has that kind of time, that kind of money or attention span to do it. I'm a big 80-20 believer, especially in eating. 80% 80% of the time I try to eat healthy and dial it in. 20% of the time, which typically falls on the weekends, either in Pullman or taking my girls to go get pancakes. But uh, I, I had the good fortune of being a fullback, which meant I got to eat to my fill. And it, nutrition was a, a part, but it was not the focal part. Um, as I left the game, one of my big tactics was stop eating a second plate of food. And with just that simple trick, I lost about 30 pounds. So, you know, nutrition is, is a valuable piece to your overall wellness and performance in all forms of life. So I've always like kept it in a good perspective, but, I also am a big believer in nutritional supplements. So, you know, there's there's some cheating going on there as well.
4: Were you uh, kind of overeating on purpose to like pack weight on as a player?
3: I never had to pack weight on. No, I'm I'm natu- naturally gifted by being <laughs> thick. Uh, but no. So, I I if anything, I was trying to cut some weight, but no. In my playing days, I was 260 265 very relatively easy but you've leaned Uh, out a
4: ton now i mean so you just kind of naturally were like a were like beefy then because you're 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 leaner oh yeah
3: i'm just thick like i went i i have to i just went like two weeks ago to get custom tailored pants because i've ripped through like six pairs of dress pants and the woman measuring me was like so the average like hips to waist is six inches uh yours is measuring at like nine and a half so that's why you're ripping through pants so yeah i'm i'm a thick sold sold guy
4: so you really haven't changed you just kind of eat less and probably work out less because you're not you know you're just not moving practicing football every day uh, Ab, what about you? How, how much is Jed?
2: It? Also has the metamucil trick.
4: Jed does daily metamucil. <laughs> that's cool. That's true.
3: As, and you know what? I'd be very curious if any of our trusted listeners have have taken up that. Jet, <laughs> Jed, is,
4: sure. Jed is ir- Jed is irregularly regular. That, that's what that's what Jed is. Uh, Ab, what about you? Well, how, how was nutrition for your playing days, and how about now?
1: Well, I was I kind of had the opposite problem as Jed. I was a. Uh, uh, I was a weight gain guy all the time. I was uh, very skinny. When I the joke was when I showed up at Washington State, uh, everybody thought I was on the cross country team, <laughs> not on the football team. So I was. Uh, it took a lot for me like to put on weight. I mean, I was. I fought to get over two hundred pounds on in college, and when I was playing professionally, it was super hard for me. And, and I think some of it was, you know, having the right resources and knowledge. I mean, you just back even when Jed and I were playing at the at Washington State, you didn't have the same level of sophistication around nutrition and like these guys are having you know bars and shakes and different things after every uh practice which i think is great and it's a huge piece of you know why you see you know athletes develop so well um i think especially when they go from high school to college is kind of the addition of some of those things and the way sports science has gone and um you know and so i think i would definitely benefit from it because i was always struggling to put on weight and then you know, when I got into the the uh, into professional football, you know, I was able to get around some different trainers and people that helped me out a little bit, and finally got my weight to where I think I, I wish I would have been. You know, five or ten, five or eight years earlier, but towards the end of my playing career. But now it's like. You know, I'm I'm a maintenance person. I don't like to raise my heart rate too high. Like I don't want to get too too uh you know I don't want that heart rate going too fast. So I try to stay <laughs> right around like 110, really 110. Really, really. not to get too jacked up. You know
0: I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't
1: want to get. I don't want to raise the heart rate. So I keep a very maintenance level workouts. You know, but I you know workout often. My my wife and I. Eat, you know, trying to eat fairly healthy, but I'm I'm a lot like Jed—the eighty twenty rule. I mean, I I'm more about working out to make room, so I can have you know a few a few libations later or uh, something good to eat. Or a so, Reese's uh, peanut butter cup. Or what?
2: A Reese's peanut butter or cup. Reese's peanut butter cup. Courtesy of, matter of Lynn, fact, Mike, Lynn Carmichael. Matter of
1: fact, that's 100 true. That's so, true. I watched it. Uh, that's true. Definitely more as I get older, though. Like I continue. So, I would say since I've stopped playing, I'm way more conscious of nutrition and what I eat and. And types of food that I eat than I was when I was playing.
4: Interesting. Super Dave, I know it's a huge part of what the grade W is, of what, and that's for every Cougar student athlete because they all have the option to eat there and all have food plans there, but um, nutrition's like an integral element of, of what this program has. Has brought especially for freshmen, got guys out of high school.
2: It's amazing how far just that unique uh, individual category has grown. I mean, we have the, we have our own chefs, we have our own nutritionists. I mean, we have more food in the weight room, in the cafeteria than I mean, ever before. It's it's impressive, um, you know, the, the quality of food and uh, the amount of food that's available for our student athletes. I also
4: think it's kind of interesting that a guy like like I I wonder also. You know, I'm hearing from Jed. In actuality, really like sounds like Jed. You didn't really think about it too much. You just were really good football player. like It wasn't like you credit food or diet for longevity in your career or anything like that. You just were just a kind of a freaky athlete, is what it sounds like, and like a big thick guy, and it worked out.
3: Yeah, Definitely. Definitely never been described as a freaky athlete. Uh, (laughs) I would also like to point out the Gray W is not a cafeteria. It's actually our Athletic Alumni Association. No, the
4: Gray gray W is the area where the players eat.
3: Right, Uh, Dave? Super
4: Super Dave? Correct. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. The The Gray W Legends Lounge. Jack
3: Thompson Gray W Lounge. Yeah. The Gray W is our Athletic Alumni Association. In the parlance
4: of our campus, Jedzilla... I am not inaccurate right now, and I will die on this hill, okay? I will, I, I will settle in here. Remember
3: the Alamo. <laughs>
4: remember
3: the Alamo. Uh, so, no, it was like, and we take, so a little bit of this is, is kind of perception. And so, like, I discredit the fact that I know how to deal with pain. I discredit the fact that I can go into a weight room and feel very comfortable in dialing up a workout. Nutrition is to the point where it's it's not so much of a conscious endeavor; it's become such a subconscious part of your day and your your approach. You are naturally putting in good because you know you have to go perform. So, when I look at like people like Tom Brady or Drew Brees or you know super like dialed in like Matt match Matt Chasnau is like. I, I just uh, I'm with Brink is like I, I do it all because I want to have a big bowl of Ben and Jerry's at night, um, every night, uh, right after the girls go to sleep, because that's how tomorrow makes, you know, makes it OK. I, I, I just lose myself in that. But what, what you don't appreciate is our true sacrifice. And I will also echo the idea that Brink pointed out. We had boost. Um, which was our protein shake of choice? Which, uh, yes, I have seen Coach Ludwig, one of our strength coaches, pound eight boosts at a time, <laughs> but it's also being given out at retirement facilities across <laughs> the country. So you question exactly what nutrition plays.
4: <laughs> oh, it's good. Uh, what was your surprise topic, Jed? Ooh,
3: are you ready? And this has a little bit of a parlay into kind of my world today, but this is just a category. This is a really dangerous.
4: Yeah, is anyone else kind appreciate to go this? Here. So yeah, here's, I, we've got a few mild, minutes.
3: Very clean. We've got a few I mean, minutes left. Go, so if you want me to go off the rails, I will go off. Well, okay, let me. But I just okay, yeah, go I ahead. I saw this fact the other day, and I, I'm out of curiosity. There's three edu- educated, somewhat likable people on the line right now. If you were to say,
0: uh, what about the fourth person?
3: an income <laughs> level that you stop seeing a correlation between money and happiness. What would you say that like bar is?
4: Oh, I think this is a great conversation and there've been a lot of studies about this actually. And there's been good studies. Yeah. And there actually have been studies on both sides of this, there are studies that state that happiness seems to level out when you have all of your foundational needs, shelter, food, water, and, and then maybe a, a little bit more, I think, you know, sort of some creature comforts. And then there are other studies that I think correlate it with just cause there's kind of an infinite parallel. And, and the more money you have, the happier you are. Um, I know where I stand personally, I feel like it's a – I feel like that's kind of a, a personality uh, – D- difference maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. What, what do you think, Alex? Wait, are you looking for a number here Jet? or what <laughs> you, sure. what's the idea? There, there was oh, a, like there a. Was a an well did oh. you guys
1: see? So the one. So I think I, I I I'm sure I could guess, but there was a really interesting article. There's a, a guy that owns a business that you're like a company, and he moved to like you know the whole shorter work week, less hours, but put everybody on the same seventy five thousand dollars salary, and was like, hey, this is what we're doing because like this is enough. This is like enough for everybody but also your work days are less um, and the work week was less. I thought it was really interesting. He got really great productivity out of, like, out of his employees, interesting I came the article, but it was pretty interesting. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Sure, 70? I don't know. I, I guess it depends where you live, right? It a lot very depends so.
2: on your your place in life. I remember, you know, yeah. when I was twenty four, I got hired at Texas Tech, I made twenty four thousand um, dollars. A year later, I got a raise to thirty eight thousand dollars. I thought I was rich, right? I mean, no kids, no wife, no well, responsibilities.
1: And then, depending on where you're at, right? Too, that's a very real thing. When, when I when I lived Cost in Winston,
4: when I lived in Winston Salem, to your point. Ab, when I lived in Winston Salem, my first year out of college, I made twelve grand a year. My second year, I made fourteen grand a year as a kind of a starving artist deal. and um, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, and uh, that's a big
2: percentage raise.
4: Good it time. felt like a money shower because <laughs> I wasn't. I was. It, it was really tight, like as you can imagine. Bill, the bill was really tight, and the extra two grand relieved that pressure. And I was. It was a huge life change. But I couldn't have even done that in another. Cost of living center, like I'm homeless in San Francisco at that number. So, um, so what's the
1: number, Jed? Because clearly you
3: want This is you're excited <laughs> about this. No, I I, I was not. I, that was the great discussion. That's all I want. Is that all I it, want is to, to tee it up. And what is your out. what is your thought? From? I tell you
2: what, I, I wouldn't be against uh, you know maybe having Coach Leach's four million dollar salary for a year and seeing seeing what that's like. <laughs>
4: should, just I just want to see it out.
3: if I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah. See
4: what happens. Yeah, what, Jed, what? Yeah, so Jed, what? What are your thoughts? You threw it out there, but what are your thoughts on?
3: Uh, oddly enough, I settled at three hundred twenty-five thousand. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a round number. No, the number was the number was fifty-five.
4: Okay. And
2: it yeah. kind
3: of <laughs> goes to what Matt you were saying is like cover your basic needs, and yes. Uh, jet Jetski brings you happiness in the moment, but like an overall like idea of fulfillment and contentment in your life is not gonna be found. it's just I, I'm diving into that subject and it was just like one of those interesting things of like, Matt, you've made twelve thousand dollars. Like that's that's insane to live on. Yeah. But I'm sure you had some of the best times of your life there. I like, actually you know,
4: I really did. I really did. There's a there's a there's a huge difference and I think this is materialism versus uh, w- what the alternative to that would be in ha- in life and there's a difference between happiness and joy and I think with joy mm. you've got to put so much hay in the barn socially with your with your love life with your friends with your family with your work with the, all the balances that come in and they're rare moments and I just don't think the jet ski brings joy I think it brings like immediate creature happiness you know shiny object in front of your face and it's fun in the moment and then you know
2: I'm, I'm gonna quote Tracy Clay's and say, uh, anyone who doesn't think money's important, try buying something without it.
0: <laughs> he's, not <wrong. laughs> he's, not not, he's not
2: wrong.
4: He's not wrong. It's He's not wrong. That's true. There, it has. It does. There is an element. It Does have to be there to a certain degree. All right. Let's wrap it up. We're we're at the tail end of this. We touched on it on the on the top. We're probably out of time, but I, we did t- tease it. So, what are bread and butter pickles? Why do they even
2: exist? And and are they a thing? Like I hadn't even heard of them.
4: Probably because they're gross. I
2: would think they're like the reject pickles. And yeah. And then they just kind of throw up some. So
1: what is the difference between a bread and butter pickle oh, and another like, pickle that's kind of te- mushy? Te- 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 it's disgusting.
2: I think it's just, f- first of
4: all, pickles are delicious, but bread and butter pickles, Alex, are, are gross. And um, uh, remember that picture in the airport of me holding the huge gherkin? That we were, when we were, when we were waiting for the flight? Yes. Yeah, I could, yes. t- I could tweet that out. That's a great picture.
1: With a fl- what establishment was that?
4: Oh, uh, it was in the Portland airport. It was a deli down the concourse there in Portland. Yeah. PDX. I remember. Um, bread and butter pickles seem to be like a flavoring of pickle. Jed, do you have any thoughts on this? Do you know, are you a pickle guy? Do you know what the deal is?
3: Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll down a pickle. I've never had a bread and butter. Okay. So I'm, I'm a little lost there, but. I would assume it's it's like anything. You dip it in some ranch dressing, no. and it'll go down smooth. This is
4: definitely then a little. <laughs> this is uh, uh, admittedly, I've kind of brought the three of you into a very minor marital dispute. As my wife listens to this podcast, I get to have her hear this part and say, "Ashley, you
2: were wrong. These are not no. a huge deal." I would imagine they're universally disliked. I would hope so. I would think so. So well, going back, just like most, going people. back a few seconds, Alex uh, is wrong. Maybe a few minutes. Yeah, when Jed said, "There's three <laughs> – Educated, uh, you know, intelligent people on the line.
3: I didn't say intelligent, I said somewhat likable. <laughs>
2: okay. There's a four, there's one of us Do you us feel is... like you owe Chas? An apology for leaving him out.
3: <laughs> oh, I was excluding myself oh. uh, I'm see. very likable. <laughs> <laughs> hey
4: so I'm so I'm driving back up to uh to to Spokane I'm going through Colfax. I stopped for a water, I'm very thirsty. Maybe some jerky? Out at practice. I may have probably did get some jerky. Yeah. Um Why are gallons of water like $0.56 and 12-ounce bottles of water $1.50? How have we come to this? Convenience. The cost of convenience. convenience. Seriously? Like, we're just paying so it fits in the cup holder? Yes. That's it. That's a a dollar. That is per bottle just boom. That's worth it.
2: I bet you paid it.
4: No, I got the gallon. Ask ask AB.
3: There's a new fact where people have gallon (laughs) water jugs, and as you drink it, Like, throughout the day, it's, like, 8 a.m., 10 a.m., 12 a.m., like, how you're supposed to go. It has, like, little words of encouragement, like, (laughs) you got this. Oh, I got a better – I got a better one. There's a water bottle
1: out there that lights up when you're supposed to, quote, unquote, drink the water. Oh, god! Like, it, it, like, attaches to an app on your phone. You you know, like, to (laughs) that
4: that, I would say, like – You know the human body kind of tells you when you're thirsty, right? Like this is a natural. Just kind of listen. Like, hey, when you're thirsty,
1: when you're thirsty it's too late, Chaz. Everybody knows that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know that. that, You know, there's a conspiracy theory out about that study that it was promoted by companies who want to pump you full of fluids when you don't need them.
3: So, do you know who has the best correlation to the water market? Hurricane warnings. You send out a hurricane warning and you go buy stock in every water company in that territory because people go. You cannot find a bottle or a gallon of water within miles.
4: Wow. It's crazy. I didn't know. In North Carolina, they illogically purchased milk and bread in the two most perishable things in case of emergency. Water and gasoline. Mm Most places. Interesting. All right, boys. Well, uh, <laughs> we, we've stumped, well, we've stumped well, the freak. Uh, more to come. The can freak! I make
3: this? Can I make this analogy? How much would you pay for a burger? Seven dollars. How much would you pay for a pack of burger patties? Seven dollars. Just so you're you're welcome. Boom. Well, yeah. Perfect.
4: I don't have to cook, and there might be some other. There's another experience. Convenience. You don't have
3: to cook burger patties. It's red meat. You just eat that down. <laughs> like a man. Thanks, boys. Like go, cowboy. go boy. Hey,
4: go Coug- We didn't even See touch in Northern go Colorado. Cougs. Go cooks. Go Cougs. Says, All
1: right. All right. I got to go. We're, we're, we're over time. <laughs> Jeez.
3: Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane.